Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. As we continue today, I encourage you, uh, we're talking about love today. This is week four. This is week four in our Advent series. All the candles are lit except the center one, which represents Jesus. We'll, we'll be lighting that on Christmas Eve. But today we're talking about love. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to be focusing on verses 18 through 15. And if you've been with us, you know, for Advent, we've been focusing on the hope of Christ, the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ. But today we're going to be focusing on the love of the love of God. You know, love is one of those key characteristics of who God is. In fact, 1 John 4, 8 says that God is what? God is love. God is love. And you know, a lot of times there's, um, I've talked to people and I've been with people and they're like, why, why does the church always talk about love? You know, it's just, is it all about just mushy, gushy, and is it all about hockey tears and all that kind of stuff? And it's like, you know what? You really don't understand. When we're talking about love, we're not talking about just an emotion. We're not just talking about something that, that just makes me all ooey and gooey inside, though. I love ooey gooey cookies, and I love feeling ooey and gooey inside. I love those, those things. But we're talking about a deep commitment of who God is. In fact, in verse 9 of that same passage in 1 John chapter 4, it, it goes on to say that this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live, all of us might live through him. See, what John is referring to here, he's referring to one of the greatest acts of love that has ever taken place. When, when, when Jesus, he humbled himself, fully God, humbled himself, and came in the form of a baby, the form of a child, so that he could be what we sing about today, Emmanuel, God with us. And this is what we're reading about. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18, it says, This is how... The birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, that's how I imagine dreams, uh, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. See, we like to skip to the end of the story, right? We like to kind of fast forward and stream forward. We want to see the good part. We want to see when, when everything is made right and when everything is there. But we need to pay attention to the beginning of this account because it's in the beginning. If we skip this part, we skip and we miss what God is doing. See, it's in the beginning that the greatest gift, it began with something, and it's a lesson to us because all of this began with a great challenge, the love of God poured out to us, how God showed his love to us, it began with a great challenge. And that's what love is. Love, true love, 
begins with a challenge. How many of you have experienced that, right? True love, it begins with a challenge. Ask anybody who's been married longer than one day. They will tell you love can be very, very difficult, very tough. See, yeah. <laughs> Get an amen on that. See, to bridge the gap between us and, between, and God, God sent his son as a baby so that we can know him and so that we can be changed. And we've been talking about that this month, about how in the form of a baby, God uh, transformed us uh, by him and, and by forgiving us and by restoring us. But as we look at this challenge, in order to have a baby, you have to have parents, right? Every child needs parents. And in the beginning of this challenge, God, he selects great parents. He, 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 first of all, he, he selects Joseph. And Joseph, the Bible tells us, he was faithful to the law. Uh, he was from the line of David. So this fulfills the prophecy about the Messiah coming from the line of David. And God also uh, chose an incredible mother in Mary. When the Bible talks about Mary, the Bible describes Mary as being blessed, as being highly favored, as being a humble servant of the Lord. I mean, these are model parents, great parents. But there's a challenge, and it's right at the beginning. And the challenge is this, is that Mary is pregnant before they are married. And Joseph is not the father. This is a big challenge. I mean, we know the end of the story, so we're like, we know this works out. But imagine, putting your, put yourself in that position, okay? We don't know the story. We haven't heard this. We haven't read about it. We haven't heard choirs sing about it. But now Mary is pregnant before she's married, and Joseph is not the father. Now, we know that she's pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, but Joseph doesn't know this yet. And Joseph, he has a big problem because he has two desires that are godly desires, and they appear to be in conflict. Have you ever had that conflict, right? Have you ever had that conflict where, where you have these two desires or two good things, but they're in conflict with one another? See, Joseph, he wanted to be faithful to the law. See, being a good Jewish man, being a good lover of the Lord, meant that you were faithful to the law. As a matter of fact, a Jewish man was deemed to be righteous to the degree that they were faithful to the law. And in a situation like this, being faithful to the law meant that Joseph would have to divorce Mary. And further than that, it meant that Mary would be placed on trial before the Jewish council. And even in Old Testament law, it meant that Mary could potentially be stoned for adultery. This, this is real stuff. This is like, you know, movie of the week kind of stuff going on. But he also, so he wanted to be faithful to the law, and that's what it meant that day, but he also wanted to be faithful to Mary. He loved Mary. I mean, you know, he asked Mary to marry him. He didn't want to disgrace her. And Joseph, he didn't want to disgrace himself. He didn't want to disgrace their family. You know, you're only as good as your name. And he certainly didn't want a big trial, and he certainly didn't want Mary to face the potential stoning that could have taken place. This is the challenge. I mean, what do you do when you find yourself in a corner like this? Maybe you've been in a corner like this where you have these two good things, and you're saying, God, how do I reconcile? Have you ever been there? God, how do I reconcile these two things? Both of these things seem good, and I don't know what to do. How do I remain faithful to the Lord? And at the same time, how do I remain faithful to those that I've committed myself to? And I want us to kind of pause here for a second because at the very beginning, this key conflict is laid out. How do I obey God while also loving my neighbor and my family? See, loving your neighbor is easy when it only involves just bringing over your favorite cookies or your favorite fruitcake. Have you noticed how many times I'm going to put in fruitcake in this season? Okay. 
See, when it's, when it's just something like just extending a friendly hello, very easy to love your neighbor. But what do you do when that love is more complicated? What do you do when you find yourself in a complicated situation where loving your neighbor and loving God becomes more costly? And this is so important because the love of God and the, other, and the love of others, those around us, all of our neighbors, everybody we come in contact with, these are directly connected. Jesus and all of the apostles were very, very, very clear about that. See, in the Old Testament, you showed your love of God by how you obeyed the law. And still today, obeying God is very important. So I'm not saying put those things to the side. Jesus said he was the fulfillment. He didn't come to abolish. He came to fulfill the law. And there should be life change as we live out for the Lord. So it's very important. But... The evidence of this love is also in how we love our neighbors. It's shown in for those around us. And Jesus, again, in Matthew 22, very, very clear. And 1 John continued to emphasize that. And not only that, this is the tension that would be addressed throughout Jesus' ministry, so much so that this tension was how the Pharisees would keep trying to trap him. When you look at a lot of the key traps, the Pharisees would try to trap Jesus in how he reconciled the love for God, obeying all the prophets, and at the same time loving neighbors around him because the Pharisees would often say that's in conflict. No, Jesus would say, no, this is in fulfillment. How we handle these moments today are very vital because it's in these moments that God teaches us. It's in these moments that God instructs us and he actually brings strength. You know, our desire is to run and hide and to forget about it or to ignore the tough things that we see or ignore things we don't understand when the Holy Spirit would draw us in and say, I need to teach you something here, something more about God, something deeper about God. It's often in those pain moments that we grow the most. But unfortunately, this tension has caused so many to leave the word of God. It's, it's caused them to leave the church. It's caused them to... Um, to act in ways that result in abandoning your faith. So we need to lean into this today, don't we? So let's look at Joseph. How does Joseph respond to this? How does he respond to this big challenge? And, and I think Joseph, he starts where most of us start, because when we hit a problem, the first thing that we do is, is we say, what should I do, right? We start with my plan. We start with what, you know, how should I respond to this, right? God's given me a sound mind. He's, uh, he's given me his word. I've read his word. I'm in Bible studies. Uh, you know, I've, I've gone to Alpha. I've done all those things. So, you know, what is my plan? I mean, I, I, I think for most of us, when we hit a problem, we, you know, we tend to kind of rise up and go, we can fix this. How many we can fix this people out there do we have? Okay, you would make great trustees. Okay, we have a lot of things to fix around here, <laughs> right? So, most problems start by us having this. Okay, what's my plan? And for Joseph, plan A for meant for following God meant the law of God. I mean, after all, the Bible says that he was a righteous man, he was a man of the law, and so Joseph he had a plan, and his plan was to divorce Mary quietly. He loved Mary. He had to follow the law. And in the first century, when we talk about divorce, because some may say, well, they're not married yet. Why does it need to divorce? Well, in, 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 in that time, when you were engaged to somebody, you were married, right? There was not just the asking for a ring back. This was, this was I mean, you know, when, when you look at, at, at commentators, they'll tell you that to call off an engagement would be equivalent to a, a divorce. There was this legal bond that took place in that. And divorcing would have been the honorable thing. But Joseph, he also wanted to be kind to Mary, so he's like, you know, he's like, my plan, I need to divorce her, but I'm going to do it quietly. And we see Joseph's kindness, and we see this godly character revealed in that he wanted to do it quietly. He, 
Um, he knew that his reputation was on the line and that he could have called Mary out just to kind of prove himself, to go, she's wrong, but I'm righteous. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to, as much as possible, protect the families and just do it quietly. And this plan sounds good. If I divorce Mary, I show concern for God's law. If I do it quietly, it shows that I still love her and I love her family and love our family. So do it quietly. And it's not a bad plan in that day. I mean, many of his advisors, his mentors, I'm sure would have signed off on it. But I want you to see something. If he had just done that, if he had just gone ahead with that, he would have missed one of the biggest opportunities that he had. The thing that we sing about. See, when we hit these tensions, when our decisions seem to be in conflict, it is essential that we look to God, that in the middle of this, we, we, we don't just say, God, I'll talk to you later and move forward, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is step by step, God, what would you have me do now? I'm filled with your word, I've walked through, I've heard Pastor Dwayne's sermons, but God, what would you say to me? What would you say to me in this moment? Because he had a good plan, but this is where God's plan came into effect. God's plan, remember in Matthew 1, God's plan is this, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord, all of this, everything that took place, Joseph's biggest conflict, Joseph's biggest moment of crisis, it took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, sometimes we think that God's plan is to run traffic control, right? I'm a, I'm a child of God, and I'm going to move forward, so God, just you know, lower every mountain, straighten every crooked path, fill in all those potholes that seem to be every place this time of year. And Isaiah even said, right, every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. Ben Arroy is not called yet, don't worry. That's why I sing to you. What does God do with this? Why does God not just say, I'm going to flatten everything, I'm going to give you an easy life? It's going to be one boulevard of green lights for you as you drive out of this place today. God could do that. Why doesn't he do that? God doesn't do that because he wants to do it with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. See, he doesn't just give us straight roads and flat plains all the time because that doesn't work, does it? I mean, look at the history of Israel. The history of Israel, it's a history of a people that no matter how many times he flattened the mountains, no matter how many times he straightened it out, no matter how many times he came down and had these miraculous events of parting the Red Sea, the history of Israel is no matter how often the Lord did that, they still strayed. And I would say even in my life, there's times that God has flattened it, he's straightened it, and there's still times I'm going to go, God, where are you? <laughs> he's like, are you not seeing what I'm doing? I brought you a beautiful wife you didn't deserve. I gave you beautiful kids you didn't deserve. I put you in a church that's loving and caring. I did all these things. I even made you born in Canada. I mean, what else do I need to do? See, what we know from all of this, that the history of humanity is that it doesn't work because blessings without the battle normally get broken. Isn't that true? <laughs> right? Blessings without the battle and the struggle, they normally get broke. How many of you have broken a blessing in your life? How many have messed up? I can raise both things, both hands, things, these hands. 
See, problems are not the problem. The problem is me. The problem is us. And it's in the battle towards the blessing that, that God breaks and he rebuilds my life. It's in these challenges that we hit that God shapes us and he molds us and he prepares us for the blessing that's ahead. I mean, you wouldn't just give a brand new Bronco to a two-year-old. They're not ready for it. You would raise them up. You would train them. Some say it takes 16 years. I, I think, from what I've seen, it takes longer than 16 years to learn to drive. Um, but there's a process in everything that we need that battle so that we can handle the blessing, that we would not break the blessing. See, God is out to restore us. He's out to rebuild the areas of our life that are, are not yet surrendered, the areas of our life that are not yet healed, the areas of our life that are not yet restored, and that's a work in us. See, from the very beginning, God is, is preparing not just Mary, but he's preparing Joseph. See, we sing, Mary, did you know? I'm like, Joseph, did you know? Did you know what was happening here? And one of the key things that Joseph needs to learn is the key thing that all of us need to learn. It's how to, les- how to listen to God, how to-, how to seek his plan. Right? My wife used to say to my kids at times when they weren't listening, she'd be like, turn your ears on, right? <laughs> turn, turn your ears, listen to me. If you will listen to me, you won't get hurt. You won't hurt the people around you. We need to learn to listen to God. So because God loves Joseph, what does God do? God, he steps in and he reveals this plan. Before he goes off on plan A, a good plan that would be endorsed and stamped by so many people, God steps in and he gives him a dream. See, I love reading about dreams in the Bible. And dreams, they were, they were a way of frequently used both back then as well as today. I've, I've experienced this where God, he communicates his plan to men and women throughout the Bible. And I think it's very interesting that God often uses a dream. I mean, think about it. What's going on when you're dreaming? You're laying down, you've slowed down, you've shut off the world, and you're sleeping, and you're resting. And in that moment, God comes in, and he speaks to us. I think so many times I miss God because I'm not slowing down. I'm not stopping. I'm not turning off everything else. Everything else is shouting at me. Good things. But so many times God's saying, I want you to lay down. He'll, he'll lead us by those still waters. He'll do those things to restore our soul so we can hear him and we can listen to him. See, when we do this, we are perfectly positioned to hear from the Lord. And here's the dream. We read it earlier, the, the dream it starts in verse 20. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord, I hear that little angel, <laughs> appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So very quickly this morning, here's the plan. Here's the plan. The first thing that happened in this dream was Joseph was reminded of his identity. 
very first thing. Could have just said, Joseph. They said, no, Joseph, son of David. This is the first thing the angel does because it reminds him that son of David would enact the promise that Joseph knew about. It's the prophecy about Jesus and the role of Joseph. See, God's great plans for us begin by God reminding us who we are. And who are we? We are all imago deis, made in the image of God for his purpose, for his glory. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whether you're here or whether you're downtown in an alley in Seattle, we were all made in the image of God, all made for his glory. And we need to restore, we need to be reminded of that purpose of who we are. We were made to be a child of God. And here's why. When we are firm in our identity, when I know I am a child of God, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and that even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear not. I'm getting ooey and gooey, I know. But it just, I need that. Do you need that? Do you go through tough stuff? We all go through tough stuff because we're human. You need to know that you are a child of God, and you need to restore, you need to enact that calling from God, that identity that you are a child of God. So the first thing the angel says is that you are the son of David. There's a prophecy here that's about to be enacted, and he says, don't be afraid, because so many of God's plans are freakishly scary, (laughs) right? Because if I don't need God, my dreams are small. I can do stuff, right? The rain rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. It rains on everybody. There's blessings of God out there, and I can just go and enjoy them, and people do. But when I start stepping into God's plan, something that only he can do with me, I need God, and if I'm not firm in that identity, I am going to be scared out of my mind. How many of you have got a plan, and sometimes it's scary to you? When I'm scared, it's because I'm looking at the man in the mirror. What's going on? I don't know what to do. But when my identity is there, when I know it's God's plan, I need to hear those lines, do not be afraid. Because here's the thing, I, I think one of the biggest things for us, because we're surrounded with so many blessings, is that there's a, there's a plan that will come from God, and it's not always just the fear of a physical death. A lot of times it's, it's a dying to myself, that I don't want to look like a fool. Have you ever taken steps towards things that God called you, and you're going, either this will reveal that I'm an obedient man of God, or I am the biggest fool ever. And then when you have kids, you're like, if I'm a fool, I'm bringing all these people down into this fool, fool's pit with me. I'm bringing my loved ones down. The more responsibility you have, the more you're like, if I'm a fool, there's a lot of things at risk here. And there are so many times that God has spoken to me and he's called me to things. And that's the biggest thing I've had to, to kind of jump over. God, it doesn't make sense. Or why me, Lord? Or, you know, we need more of whatever to do that, God. And if I go after this, and it doesn't work, Dwayne's the fool. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, <laughs> it's not an easy thing. You know, it's, 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 it's not an easy thing to judge. Yeah, Dwayne's a fool. We, we, we know. We know. We know. But see, obeying God means I need to be willing to surrender my pride, amen to that, and be willing to look like a fool for the sake of Christ. That's what Joseph had to be willing to do. People are not going to understand this in the moment. People are, may not even understand it during his lifetime, even all these years later. So Joseph, you're the son of David. Joseph, don't be afraid. And then the word was to take Mary as your wife. See, God affirmed 
that Mary had not been unfaithful, that she was still a virgin, and that Mary had actually been faithful to God in being the humble and faithful servant of the Lord. That's why her response in Luke 1, 38, that we have sung about it. When Mary, hearing this, knowing this, thinking about all the things that could go wrong, how she could be thought of, what Mary's response was, be unto me according to your will. She knew the voice in her response to do that. So he said, take Mary as your wife. <laughs> and then trust God. Trust God. The angel said, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now this is huge. Right? This is huge. Joseph had to be willing to be a fool in the eyes and say, why is Mary pregnant? Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Who's going to believe him? We know and we see but we even do that today, right? If someone asks me, why'd you do that? And I says, the Holy Spirit is like, well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll develop because that seems pretty wild, Dwayne. But see, trusting God is essential in our life. That's why Paul described this as being willing to be a fool for Christ, but wise in Christ. We're a fool for Christ, but we're wise in Christ, knowing that the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And then the other thing in this when they looked at Joseph, it said, Joseph, I'm calling you to be the earthly father of Jesus. In other words, adopt him as your own. Here's how we know this. We know this because the angel said to Joseph that, Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus. That's significant. Because in that day, naming a child was the act of a father. And when you gave the name that you were stepping in and saying, You're saying, I'm his dad. Despite all of this, all this stuff, whatever all y'all may think, yes, I am stepping into this moment. I'm stepping in. I'm going to act like a father. So he was stepping into this direct invitation from God to step up and then and bring it into an actment. It brings Jesus now into the genealogy of coming from the line of King David. Theologian R.T. France explains that this act of Joseph naming Jesus, it confirmed his legal recognition of Jesus as his own son and hence as also the son of David. See, this act of naming, it fulfilled the prophecy that the Messiah would come from the line of David. But naming Jesus, it also clearly communicated the mission of Jesus, that he would save us from our sin, that he would be Emmanuel, God with us, and that he's not only a God who saves, but he is God who is now always here so what does Joseph do in response to this dream? He doesn't, he doesn't try to push it aside. He doesn't try to say it was just, just, just I, you know, I had some bad falafel the night before or whatever. Joseph obeys. The Bible says that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord. He woke up and he immediately, he did just as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until after she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. See, his obedience was immediate. He heard God, and he obediently walked in that way. Joseph woke up that day. He didn't just wake up from a dream. He woke up to what God was doing in his life. Because he knew that once he stepped, there was no turning back. 
See, all these challenges that we face, all these obstacles, all these mountains, they're not meant to crush us. They're meant to wake us up to what God is doing in our life. Every challenge, every pain point is meant to awaken us to God because when we wake up to the things of God and we lay hold of it, we are laying hold to God's power. We're laying hold to his authority. We're laying hold to his healing. And now we're enacting his plan that he has for all of us. It made me think of what C.S. Lewis famously said. He said it this way. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. And I love that last part when C.S. Lewis said, that pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Do you want to wake up this Christmas? See, all these challenges, all these problems, look at all the ways that God uses them to awaken to the giftings that are in us. There are things in you that need to be woken up. There are callings in you that need to be awakened, whether you're five years old or whether you're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, 90 years old, however old you are. See, the greatest miracles in our life, they always occur after these greatest challenges, but we often miss it because we fail to trust God with this tension. And we say, God, I can't, I can't take any more pain. Have you been there? You're like, I know this stuff, but God, I can't take any more pain. That's why the Isaiah 40 says, have you not seen, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God. And he goes on to say that those who wait upon the Lord, they shall what? They shall renew their strength. Through God, your strength is a renewable energy. It never runs out. It's there. But it needs the power of the Holy Spirit. It needs God to rev that up in you. But we need to walk in the ways of Joseph. Joseph. First of all, know who you are. You're a child of God. You're made in his image for his purpose. That means you got to lay off everything else. Throw everything else. I'm a child of God. That's it. That's my identity. It's in you, God. And we need to trust him, not be afraid. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct our path. He's ready. He's excited. He's waiting. But to do this, we need to walk in obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. God's not impressed by the stuff. He can make the stuff. He can flick it away if it's in the way. He's after our obedience. He wants us to wake up, that we're going to obey no matter what and to trust him because he's, he's ready. He's excited. He's waiting. Amen? Amen. If you're excited to walk in the Lord today, would you just stand with me today and just begin just to lift your hands and your voice to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready. Wake up my heart, God. Wake up my soul. Lord, help me, Lord, with these pain moments that I have that, Lord, I feel like I, I, I can't take it anymore. Lord, awaken your strength, the strength of God, the strength of the Holy Spirit in me. If that's you, just pray that prayer. Lord, strengthen me today. Awaken my soul. Your strength is perfect. When I'm weak, then I am strong. So, Lord, empty me. Lord, squeeze it all out. Get rid of it all. I just need you, Jesus only. Amen. As we continue today, we need, it's important to respond to this. 
I'm going to invite the prayer team to pray with you. And maybe your prayer today is, you know what? Yes, but it's heavy. Would you pray for me that I wouldn't give up, that I wouldn't walk away from this tension? Identify those tensions. What are the tensions you're dealing with in this season? Identify them. Don't hide from them. Bring them to the Lord. Ask yourself, where's, where, is this, where is, am I being challenged? Where am I being tempted? Where do I need to wake up in my trust with the Lord? Where is God calling me? Allow the Lord to wake you up and to pour his spirit into you. Amen. So Lord, as we respond today, in prayer, in communion. Lord, wake us up. You're excited, you're ready, and you're ready to meet us in this moment as we come to you. In Jesus' name. And whatever you need rescued from today, just give that to the Lord in this moment. God, we give it to you, knowing that you rescue us. You're the ransom. You've come to pay it all to pay it all so Lord we give it to you we can't pay it we can't hold it we can't even handle it so God we give it to you and Father we give our pain to you we can't carry the pain we can't deal with the pain we can't heal the pain but you can you experienced it all you carried it all you know it all and even now as we walk through it you're with us so Lord we give it to you is that you today you just say Lord Would you comfort me today? Would you take away the pain? Would you take away my frustration? Would you take away my confusion today? And Holy Spirit, would you give us the strength to walk in trust, to take you out at your word? We give it to you. And Lord, guard our hearts and our minds, that that prayer of Paul, that promise that you will guard our hearts and our mind with peace. Guard us, Lord. It's a peace that When the situations don't change, it's a peace knowing that you're working everything to our good. It's a peace that knows that when more things come, that you're with us, that it's all about you. I don't need to stay up late at night worrying about it. I just need to to rest and to hear from you. So, Lord, I pray for those in this moment that they're like, boy, I'd love to have a dream like that. How many are like, give me a dream, Lord. Father, I pray that you would give them peace. Quiet our minds, quiet our souls. Help us to lay down and to rest so that we can dream and hear from you. Give us peace, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said together? Amen. 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 I love you all. Let me, let me encourage you to, boy, you know, you may have been here today and you prayed and you're like, I got peace. And you've been like, I'm still praying. Keep seeking. Never forget, the higher the building, the deeper the foundation. Sometimes you got to dig, and maybe the Lord, he's got to work for you. He's like, no, keep digging. There's more there. There's more there. Trust him in that. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for being with us today. This is our benediction. Let's say it together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 